How do I do my taxes? What's a credit limit? Where can I find a doctor? When's the best time to move? Who can I ask about all this? And why wasn't I taught how to be an adult? Hi, I'm Kathy. And I'm Genevieve. And, and we're, we're just, just as lost as you are. Come along with us as we journey through the weird, confusing, and sometimes scary world of adulthood. Every week, we'll talk with experts and those who have been there, done that, to answer your questions and ours. And on this edutainment podcast, we'll finally learn how to be an adult. So come on. Enjoy the Society of Grown-Ups. Hi, we're two tired girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Adulting are, is tiring. We are two adults and we're, and we're tired. Oh man. I feel like being an adult is just constantly feeling tired and being mm-hmm. tired and it just never ending. Cause you just get yeah. more tired and you get that little jolt of energy but it's that's good life. because we're tired because we're both working. So that's nice. Yes, it's a good tired. It's a good but tired. But man. remember when you were like 12 and you go, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm Bitch, so she didn't tired. Know, she didn't know what tired was. She <laughs> I did mean, not tired is valid, know. but yeah. you don't know tired until you're like an adult. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think you don't know tired until you've had kids. True. I'm speaking way too soon. I think that's the real, the real test. But anyways, hi, welcome to Society of Grownups. In case you don't know, I'm Genevieve. And I'm Kathy. I mean, I hope you guys know by now. Yeah. I don't know how much longer we're going to do that. Maybe we'll keep, we'll keep doing it because someone could just randomly listen to it. But anyways, other than tired, how you doing, girl? Honestly, my life has kind of been changed because I just started seeing a chiropractor. <gasps> you did? Yes. And Girl. honestly, I've needed to go for years, but um, I kept putting it off because I hate the sound of bones cracking. Oh, I love that shit. It terrifies me. Like I even love my bit. Oh, but even Kyle, when he offers to crack my back, it like just freaks me out. It's not your bones, though. It's the fluid popping. I know, but it's still- between your joints. It still kind of trips me out. You know what I mean? But I don't because I love it. <laughs> True. You love you love I'm a weirdo. Things. How's the chiropractor been? Have you felt a difference? Yes. So I feel like just after a couple sessions, my posture has improved tremendously. Also, my chiropractor is an absolute sweetheart and he remembers all these little details of my life. He goes, Good luck on your new job starting tomorrow. Aw. Good. Yeah. I'm glad you're like taking care of yourself, doing you. How have you been? What I've been good. Been I'm I'm tired. I've been doing, I've been having some adventures. I Ooh, spill the double tea. back summer is in full swing. Today Ooh. I went to a lavender farm with my friends Bia. We interviewed her. You know Bia and yes, Mary Margaret. You don't know Mary Margaret, but maybe one day we'll interview her. And it was a blast, honestly. It was a really good That's time. That's amazing. A lavender farm. So it was just with lavender, obviously. Yeah, we had like lavender and honey ice cream. We walked around the fields. I got a lavender scented candle. They have wine made there. It's really, really great. Um, Sounds amazing. Sounds like such a blast. It was because friends are great. And speaking of friends, oh, I love my transition sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. Aw, thanks. I love you too, girl. So today we're talking all about friendships as an adult, because that can be a weird world to navigate. And again, you're not taught how to do this. And we have a really, honestly, one of my favorite interviews and she's a beautiful, beautiful soul. Um, so our guest this week is a psychologist, a consultant. She's also a wellness coach and a motivational speaker. Her work has appeared in the free times newspaper, the state newspaper, BET.com and essence magazine. She is also one of three hosts of the podcast, three psychs and a mic. 
Please welcome Dr. Shari Dave. As said before, my name is Dr. Shari. I am a trained psychologist and I, a little bit about myself, I'm from Louisiana. um, So you may hear a little bit of Southern twang in there, um, but currently living in South Carolina. So I've kind of been all over the place, lived in Minnesota for a while and kind of settled here in South Carolina, work at a hospital where I do a lot of leadership training, a lot of training around how to become better leaders in order to um, Um, make sure that you're serving the patients correctly. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we don't have a lot of leadership training. We think that leaders are like, once you get into a leadership role, you just know what to do. And oftentimes you don't. And so um, I work very closely with leaders around how to really hone in on those skills. Um, I do a lot of executive coaching outside and things of that nature, but also along with that, my passion and one of the reasons why I'm here to talk with you all today is because because I love focusing on just the full spectrum of humanhood and what that looks like and what that means. And so I do a lot of wellness consultations and a lot of wellness coaching around how we can be the best humans that we can be. And so here today to talk a little bit about one avenue of humanhood, which is friendships, what happens when humans want to have fun together. (laughs) That's so true. I always love the sex in the city quote where they say, you know, what if women are our soulmates and like guys are just these people to have fun with. I always loved, I always loved how that, that show didn't age well, but, (laughs) but like that line that line has always stuck with me. So, but we're so glad to have you. I think as an adult, it's such a hard time to like mm-hmm. make a friend because yeah. you're not in the same class and you know you're not on like the soccer team together or in drama club and it's just it's so weird I I know so many people who are like how do I make friends what do I do is there a tinder for friends <laughs> <laughs> like I mean obviously there's blurred lines here but the best way to make friends is in a work environment because how like how many times do you see your like friends friends you know every day yeah or absolutely. you know It's so hard um, as an adult to make friends because like you said, oftentimes we, especially throughout life, we made friends based off of who we were like sitting beside in class. Like, oh, we take English together. Let's be friends. Um, But now it's really, really difficult because you have so many different parts of your life. You're not in one space outside of work, you know, and even that's different now with the pandemic, right? A lot of people are working from home. And so you see a lot of difficulty with reaching out and saying like, where do I meet people? How do I meet people? And what does that look like? And so there's definitely a little bit more nuance to it than we often think, you know, it it can be hard. Yeah. I mean, I, in university, uh, shout out to my friend, Tiana, um, we were in a play, a play together and we had talked a couple times and like gone out for drinks after rehearsal. And one day at rehearsal, I turned to her and I literally said, I was 24 when this happened. I was like, do you want to be friends? And she was like, I thought we were. And I was like, <laughs> she was like, what? I'm, I'm like that person who will literally be like, let's be friends. But I know not everyone's like that. 
Yeah. And I think one of the keys is basically having an open mind when you're trying to meet new friends. I think you can literally meet people anywhere. You know, I often say the earth is where people live. So we can't, you know, we can't avoid them. Um, But you can literally meet people anywhere. But like I said, with the pandemic, there's a lot of limitations due to just safety and difficulties with being in spaces with people. Um, Hopefully that starts to, to turn for the positive here soon. Um, but I often encourage people to meet new friends when they're doing things that they actually love to do. So meet friends when you're actually out doing things. So um, if you, for instance, if you enjoy, enjoy working out, say hi to that 5 a.m. boot camper, you know, if that's your thing, um, say hi to them as you typically, you know, would just walk past them every day, you know, instead, um, when looking to make new friends, it's definitely important to go in without like these strong expectations that this is going to be my best friend. This is going to be my best buddy. You know, it's okay to have what I call situational friendships. Um, And these are friends that you hang out with like for specific reasons. Maybe it's a book club friend or a foodie friend. Um, Those situational friendships may grow into something um, larger or into closer relationships, but it has to start somewhere. I have friends who have, I need advice. Maybe I won't go to them, but I go to them Mm -hmm. to listen. You know, it's just kind of weighing out the strengths. Also, you know, some friends Mm -hmm. hate shopping or some friends. I have friends who prefer big budget action movies. I'm much less likely to go to the movies with them. Whereas, you know, if there's some sort of indie film or, you know, some weird play in town, I'm like, let's go you. That doesn't mean they're (laughs) a bad friend or anything like that. We think that our friends all have to like the same things Mm -hmm. as us and do all the same things and live in the same places. And yeah, there can be differences. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you gain different perspectives. You definitely, you know, gain those different perspectives. You see the world in a different way when you've got different types of friends. You get introduced to new things, you know, and so it's always fun to have those friends that are different than you are going to take you out of your comfort zone. And so it's about finding those people who are going to kind of match where you are, but then also those people who you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that this could be so cool or this could be so fun. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would say the hardest thing about, you know, friendship and adulting is not necessarily making them always, but keeping up with the friendship. Because I feel like, you know, I'm I would go, hey, I'm free Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And they're like, cool, I'm free Monday, Tuesday. The struggle. (laughs) What are some ways you can keep the friendship strong while not seeing each other often? Yeah, especially if it's a new friendship. Yeah, that's a great question. I think one way um, is exactly kind of what you were saying, like scheduling those times. And I know it seems strange because you're like, I don't want to schedule times to be a friend. But in reality, as an adult, your life is not just your friends, you know, and so it's so important to say, you know, when are you available, you know, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, or Friday, or maybe not this Saturday, or two Saturdays in advance, but we really being able to set aside that time and be intentional about saying, hey, when can we spend time together, Um, and, and being able to do things that not only are on your calendar, but ask your friends, like, what do you have coming up? that maybe I could join you? You know, what are some things that maybe I could support you in? And so really being intentional about spending that time is important. 
I think it's really important to really be focused because like you can go on your phone anytime and it really means a lot. I know when a bunch of friends and I, especially back home, because I love a lot of you, but y'all like your phones back home for reference. I'm from Massachusetts, but I live in Toronto. Um, (laughs) We used to do this thing where we would put all our phones in the middle of the table and whoever reached for it first paid for everybody. Oh, that's awesome. That's how really, yeah. Have you ever paid? No, go you. But I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good about, you know, if, for instance, if like my friend goes to the bathroom or something, I'll go on my phone, but I really, I try not to, I'm not perfect by, you know, by no means, but I really try to be with the person when I'm with the person. Yeah. It's so important to be intentional in those spaces, you know, because, you know, who knows when we'll get together again, right? It may be two weeks or it may be tomorrow, but in the time that we do have together, let's be intentional about really spending time together. And, you know, like you said, whether it's having a staring in the eyes conversation or whether it's like, hey, I need to like meal prep. Can you come over and help me do that? You know, but spending that time, having those moments where you can connect, it's really valuable. Other than being intentional and uh, supportive in person, what are some other qualities of a good friend? Oftentimes we focus on the bad qualities. We're like, oh, that's a bad friend or you shouldn't do that. But those good qualities are so important because if we can kind of think through what those good qualities are, it allows us to not only see who are good friends, but to also be good friends to others. And so um, I often say like honesty, trustworthiness, um, kindness is a really great quality of a friend being loving or forgiving or respectful. Um, You know, those are kind of the list of things that like these, this makes a good person. Um, This makes a good friend. But I often will say things that I have found that leads to really great bonded friendships is loyalty to the relationship. And notice I didn't say loyalty to you or loyalty to the other person, but loyalty to the relationship. And so I think there may be instances in friendships where, of course, there's going to be some ups and downs and you might be in the wrong or you might not be acting in the best interest of that friend or uh, in the best interest of your that relationship. But if you have that a friend that is loyal to the relationship, they're able to express what might be hurting them, what might be hurting the relationship. And so I think this loyalty could then prompt them to be more loving, to be kind, to be forgiving in difficult times. And so finding a friend that is loyal to the relationship and what you're building as friends together, I think that will allow you to find something that can weather kind of those ups and downs that come with relationships. Because I think oftentimes we're like, oh, this friend wasn't loyal to me. And oftentimes, especially in therapy, I'll hear individuals say, oh, my friend wasn't loyal to me and I did X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, you kind of messed up. Like, <laughs> You're not always right. <laughs> You're not always right. And that's okay. None of us are. But if you have a friend that is loyal to what you're building as friends, they're going to say, hey, when you did X, Y, and Z, that was really hurtful. Or, hey, when you did such and such, I don't think that was the best thing. You know, how can we make sure that we're continuing to be the best friends that we can be? And so um, I do that little shift and say, find someone that's loyal to the friendship. 
loyal to the relationship you're building. Is there something as like too close? Can you be too close with a friend or what could a codependent friendship look like? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think codependency can start to happen in any relationships and especially friendships because you are really starting to get into an, a level of intimacy with a friend, right? And so codependency can look like you really depending on that friend to be who you are. And so if you notice that there isn't any individuation, right? You're not yourself anymore. That friend isn't themselves anymore. You're just kind of kind of melding and meshing together. Um, those are, that might be a sign that you might be getting a little too close or in other words, codependent with one another. You know, people always associate codependency with romantic relationships and which absolutely it it can happen. Of course. Oh my gosh. But I think friendship too, it's, I've been, I've been on both sides of it. And when I was on the side of when the person was very dependent on me, it felt almost suffocating and it was really nerve wracking because I didn't want to say anything wrong. I would feel bad if like I couldn't hang out with them. And then you do the thing in your mind where, you know, I would say to myself, but they don't have anyone else, you know, they come to me for everything. So, you know, and then that can go down a whole road if they're, you know, not mentally well, or if they're struggling, um, But I've also, you know, put my everything into someone else as well. So I've been on both sides of it and neither was good. Yeah, it's difficult. And the the first key, of course, is is recognizing when that happens, you know, because I think when you're in such that strong, dependent relationship, you don't always recognize it. One of the first ways to start recognizing it is how do you feel before you engage with that friend? How do you feel after you engage with that friend? Are you feeling guilty? Are you feeling shameful? Are you feeling down? And then it's asking yourself, like, what's leading me here? You know, do I feel bad that I can't hang out with them because I actually have to handle my own responsibility? And be a human. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Or do I feel bad if I hang out with another set of friends that don't involve this friend, you know? And so it's about really asking yourself, like, what am I feeling and where is that coming from? What would you say would be the best way to put boundaries with a friend who's a little bit codependent and who's not always respectful of, let's say, your time or your boundaries? I often say open communication is the key to a lot of things, but specifically when it comes to um, dependency or when it feels like your friend isn't respecting your boundaries, being able to openly communicate that and being able to go to a friend and say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing and this is what I would need from you in order to continue to move forward in this friendship. You know, and I often say, you know, three times a charm, say it once, say it twice. And if that third time they're still not getting it, then that might be a moment and a signal for you that this might not be the best friendship for you to take part in. That sounds so easy. And yet (laughs) it's hard. It's very hard. I feel like ending friendships is harder sometimes than ending like a relation, a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. It is. It It really is. is. You know, because our friendships are so important to us. They are so much a part of 
our lives. And so oftentimes with romantic, I often say with romantic relationships, when they end, usually people are understanding of that. Um, you'll, you'll tell a friend like, Hey, I broke up with so-and-so and they're like, Oh, let's go have a drink or let's go talk about it. But when you share like, Oh, you know, my friend and I split, oftentimes you get that reaction of like, well, what happened? What did you do? Did you try to fix it? Why are you doing that? You know, and so we don't always get the support um, when it comes to breaking up with friends or when it comes to ending friendships. And that makes it so difficult for us to be able to heal and to move forward. When you break up with a friend, people can also downplay it, you know, and make more of a big deal. Like if it was a romantic relationship versus if it's a friendship, you know, oh, well, you have a bunch of other friends or I've heard stuff like that. Or if it's even worse, if they're in the friend group, oh my, the whole, that's even even trickier. (laughs) I've been through that. I've been through that with a lot of people and it's, it sucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and then, you know, people pick sides and, oh, oh, it's a, it's a huge, huge, huge mess. Yeah, that makes it much more difficult, you know, um, because oftentimes in those friend groups, you get, like you said, people are picking sides, people are trying to like stage interventions and all of those different things that just make it so much more difficult to have a clean break. And oftentimes when you are deciding or when you have decided that this friendship is no longer beneficial, it's important to have a clean break. It's important to be able to communicate to those around you that this is my decision. This is how I need for you guys to support me. And if you're in that friend group, it just really muddies the water. On the topic of ending friendships, is there such thing as an abusive friendship? And if if there is like, why is it so important to recognize one? And what are some signs that you may be in an abusive friendship or may you may be an abusive friend? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that question because the the answer is absolutely yes. Um, abusive relationships or abusive friendships are very real. Um, and I think sometimes we get the message that, oh, it's just drama. It's not real. You guys are just having a hard time. And the importance is that there is definitely a very real aspect to abusive friendships. And it's important to realize that these friendships or this relationship has moved into abusive territory. Um, And it's not only reserved for romantic partnerships. So if you're wondering whether you've encountered an abusive friendship, or like you said, whether you're being an abusive friend, it's important to look for a couple of signs. And I'll name just a few. Of course, there are many But these are some of the big ones that can highlight that. Um, One of the first signs is emotional abuse. So if there is any manipulation or control, isolation, um, isolating you from others, or you isolating the friend from others, degrading who you are. Um, And it's so interesting when I share those characteristics, people will look at me kind of puzzled and they're like, well, 
if that's happening, I wouldn't be a friend to that person in the first place. And emotional abuse is not always as obvious as it sounds. Um, isolation can look like getting upset when you have other friendships, like we stated before. Um, degradation can look like shooting down your dreams or saying that, you know, no, you can't achieve that. Manipulation can even look like giving you the silent treatment when you make a decision that they don't agree with. With, making you feel bad for your decisions. And so that emotional abuse isn't always as obvious as we would think. Sometimes it can be very insidious. And in the end, like I said, it's it's about thinking, can I be emotionally safe around this friend? And if I can't, then that might be a sign of abuse. Another sign is if your friend doesn't respect you. And this can show up in so many ways, including like they may not acknowledge your values. They may not respect your time. They may not respect your dreams or your boundaries, as we've said. And then they act against these things and the things that you hold kind of core to who you are as a person. They may go against those things and not respect who you are as an individual. And then the last one is if you both lie to each other. If you find yourself repeatedly lying to your friend, or if you find that your friend is repeatedly lying to you, that might be a sign because you can't trust them or you can't trust them with your thoughts. You can't trust them with your fears or even that last hookup or that last letdown that you had, you know, that's a huge sign that you may be walking into more of that abusive territory. And of course, if these things happen once, it's important to communicate it. But if it's repetitive and, you know, if it isn't something that your friend is able to receive that feedback, if they get defensive or if they start to gaslight you or blame you and um, say that you are the reason why they are doing some of these behaviors, it's important to know that that relationship could definitely be moving into that more abusive um, territory. And that's where you really want to perk up and say like, okay, what can I do about this? I think especially when someone is emotionally abusive, it just makes it 10 times harder to leave. Like in any relationship, in any, you know, family friendship, partnership, romantic, like whatever. So what what would be the best way to get out of it safely with your like just with your sanity intact? Yeah, for sure. I often say, you know, it's important to note that all friendships go through rough patches. Um, they you have rocky moments. So if you've gotten into that space of saying, you know what, I kind of want to break up with this friend. I realize that, you know, I'm experiencing some emotional abuse or, you know, this friend isn't respecting me. Um, I'm hoping that you have taken the time to really think about that friendship and think about that relationship. Um, But first of all, being able to do a couple of things um, in order to kind of start that process. The first one is like having those prior conversations, like being open and honest about what you're saying. You know, I can't stress enough how important open communication is in a friendship. And if you feel like you can't be open and honest with your friend, that's a sign that maybe this friendship isn't to a space where it's moving into a healthy um, situation. Um, And then oftentimes being able to tell that friend like, oh, 
I, I don't think you've been putting forth that effort. Um, I don't feel like you've been able to make some of the changes that we may have agreed on if we've talked about this in the past. Um, and then also put that friendship on the stand. So look at the good qualities, look at the bad qualities or the, the, the abusive or not so beneficial qualities of that friendship, and then make that decision to sever the ties. If it's unsafe, I often say it is totally fine to not follow those steps, right? So if you really think that that friendship is unsafe, I wouldn't recommend having those conversations, having kind of giving time to make changes, you know, being able to gauge the level of safety is really important. So often we think abuse is, you know, hitting or throwing a vase at a wall or screaming in your face or no, it can be using a trigger that you've told them Mm -hmm. about against them, or it can be trash talking your other friends or spreading rumors or anything like that. And it's important to evaluate. And I think it's, it's good to know. And I'm glad that our listeners know that if it's an unsafe situation <laughs> that you are allowed, do you hear that? You have Dr. You, Shari's you can permission go. to ghost. There you mm-hmm. go. Everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can peace out. You can peace out. You definitely don't have to um, pay your abuser the respect of, of letting them know you're leaving. Right. Yes. And so yeah. it's so important to be able to say, no, this is abusive. This is unsafe. And I'm choosing to kind of move in a different direction. And it's important to communicate that to those around you who may know that friend so that you don't get triggered if they say, oh, what happened to your friend? Or why aren't you with this person. And so allowing them to know, like I've severed ties and you don't have to go into full details, but to be able to say, I would respect if you didn't bring that person back up in conversation or bring them back around, especially if you're in a group of friends. Yeah. If, you know, you're going to go to a party or something like that. Absolutely. That could be really, really difficult. Um, So we've talked about kind of how to break up with a friend. How can you work through a friend breaking up with you? Yeah, this is a really big one. You know, I think it's really hard at times to think through how do I manage when someone who is very central and very key to my life, how do I manage when they are no longer there? And I often say, of course, allowing yourself to go through, and it sounds, you know, cliche, but allowing yourself to go through those stages of grief, you know, there will be moments where you are angry or where you're in denial or where you're feeling really sad about that. And so allowing yourself to grieve that relationship or what you thought that relationship was going to be is so very important. Um, I often say um, what I call kind of the ritual of giving back belongings, right? So if there are things that you have that are a part of your friend's life, and when you see those things, it brings up lots of emotions, really difficult emotions, be okay with giving those things back. If you're no longer in communications with that that friend, send them in the mail or, you know, have a friend, another friend, take the things back, take the belongings back, but you don't have to keep things just because, um, 
just because they are attached to memories. So being able to say, you know, I'm going to give some of these things back. And then also being able to talk about how difficult it's been to move past a friend. You don't have to deal with that on your own. So some people will choose to talk about that with other friends. Some people may choose to talk about that in therapy, which of course I'm partial to, Um, but everyone doesn't have access to therapy. So being able to journal, being able to write those things out, talking about it doesn't mean it has to happen verbal. It could happen in a journal. It could be, you know, with you kind of just scribbling out your feelings and what you're experiencing in the moment, but giving yourself time is really important. It's really key to be able to give yourself what you need. And then also allowing yourself to enjoy things that maybe you and your friend did that you're like, I can never enjoy that again, because I'm used to doing that with this friend, being able to give yourself time to move back into those things, or deciding that you don't want to do those things anymore, because it does connect you to those memories. I love that you mentioned, you know, giving things back or giving things away. I mean, something that's helped me, like, especially when I lose someone, it's really painful to look back at old photos or memory. Something that I've done is put everything in a box, tuck it away, put it away, because now I can look at those years later. And instead of being like, oh, that person's not in my life anymore. I'm like, that person's not in my life anymore. They were in my life for a reason, had a great time with them for however long we were together. And now we're both happier and living our best lives. Yeah, that's a really big one. Like, it's okay to put it away. It's okay to give it away. It's okay to not have a mural of things that are reminding you of the loss. Um, It's okay to do that. And I think that's also a really important part of the grieving stage is because if I save the texts, I'm going to read the conversations. If I save the pictures, I'm going to look at the pictures. And so it's almost kind of like ripping off the bandaid. So you don't keep going back and, you know, going backwards kind of on your healing journey or, you know, I mean, how many times if we, and I know this is applying it to romantic relationships, but you know, we have a shitty day or we have a fight with a partner and we're like, Oh, remember so-and-so. And And then you go back and all of a sudden, you know, you're like back in 2012, (laughs) you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So definitely. Yeah. I know for myself, I delete the text. I delete the pictures. I mute on Instagram. You don't have to follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I never, um, fault someone when someone goes through a breakup, whether friendship or romantic, when they delete their pictures with that person off Instagram, I used to be like, how could that person do that? And now I completely understand. And now that I've, you know, done a lot of healing in therapy with a bunch of different things and, you know, listen to the podcast and read the books and all that. I'm like, no, that's part of their healing process Mm -hmm. and their healing journey. And if that's what they need to do, that's what they need to do. Yeah. And I love that you brought up kind of the intersection of like romantic relationships or partnerships, because oftentimes when we lose those, those are also friendships, right? So oftentimes we don't think about it. And we don't see it in the same vein, but that's a really great kind of intersection to say, you know, that those are also a type of friendship. Um, And another thing that is so important when moving past a, a breakup or a loss of a friend is forgiveness, forgiving yourself. It's not 
always just about the other person. You know, sometimes that there may be a loss of a friendship because of a misstep on their end, but it also may be a misstep on your own. And so forgiveness looks different for everyone. And remembering that it's not just for the other person. You may need to forgive yourself for what you did or what you didn't do in that friendship. And so you may think about the things that you forfeited or sacrificed, and those thoughts might bring up a little bit of anger. But after that friendship breakup, you know, it's important to sit with those things. And sometimes we feel powerless, you know, you feel like you're out of control. And so really being able to counteract that powerlessness by engaging with people or activities that empower you, things that bring you back power and setting boundaries for those other um, things so that you don't feel guilty or so that you don't feel like you need to continuously apologize for what you did or for what you said. And so those are some of the things that can also be helpful with um, moving forward after a breakup. Let's say there's an open door, you know, where you guys can reconnect. How could it be possible to reconnect with an old friend? Like, how would you go about that? With an open door, you certainly want to approach it with intentionality. I can't say intentionality enough when it comes to relationships um, because it's so important to be intentional about how you're approaching um, whether a relationship is going positive or whether there is that rekindling of that friendship. And so oftentimes I will say when approaching that rekindling, it's important to express your expectations and ask what that other person's expectations are. They may just be rekindling because they have a family reunion that they want you to go to because their family keeps bugging them about it. Um, And you may be saying, oh my gosh, we're back. We, you know, we're, we're the dynamic duo. Here we are again. And so really being able to focus in and say, these are my expectations. What are your expectations? And then once you learn that, take it slow. Don't think that you can just pick up where you left off because there is, there's been a severance there. There needs to be healing. Just like with any wound, it takes time to heal. You have to attend to it. You've got to change the packing. You've got to, you know, make sure it's clean, make sure it's okay. And that's the same thing with a friendship that may be rekindling or that may have an open door. If you have a friend who is struggling mentally, um, how can you talk to them about it and how can you help them? And when do you know it may be time to seek professional help or that they need to seek professional help? That's a great question. Um, I often say first, ask what they're experiencing. So often times when you ask that question and, and it can be awkward right? You're like, ah, I kind of think something's happening, but I'm not sure, but it feels different. Asking straight up and saying, hey, this is what I'm noticing. Are you experiencing that in this way? Um, And so asking what they're experiencing, oftentimes your friend may respond that they're okay without thinking about it or without saying, you know, this could be an opportunity to seek help or support. And so my rule of thumb is to always ask again, right? So are you okay? No, really, are you okay? Right? So asking again, and then listening, stopping and listening. So oftentimes our first impulse is to jump in and to fix the problem or ease the pain, especially when it's someone that you care about. 
It's so important to resist that urge, ask the question, ask again, and stop and listen. Um, And then ask, like, how would you like to see me help, right? So what would you like for me to do? And listen some more, right? So stop and listen again. So you may feel that, you know, you may want to be open and show genuine concern about things that you've experienced, if you see that it's hard for them to open up. So maybe share a time when you've been struggling, when you found it helpful to get support in other places. Um, Bring up therapy as one avenue of seeking help, right? It's not the only avenue, but it is one avenue of seeking help, especially seeking help from someone knowledgeable about human experiences, getting an objective point of view, whereas other situations may have more subjective points of view. So bringing that up in that way, um, if if you've gone to therapy, it may be helpful to share like a useful part of your experience. For example, what you've learned, how hard you worked, um, even misconceptions that you had that were proven wrong from your experience. And so being able to kind of take the mystery out of what happens in a therapy office is going to be really important. Let them know that you're not there to replace the support of a therapist, but instead you're adding to that support system. Um, And if you're able, if you feel comfortable um, being able to offer to schedule their first appointment or to sit with them um, in the lobby or even sit with them, you know, drive them there and sit in the car while they go in, you know, being able to show your support. I often will tell friends also to do your research, right? So if a friend says, yeah, I'd like to go to therapy and you're like, well, I don't know where to send you or I don't know any resources, then it can fall flat. And so do a little bit of research, have a number or two um, that's really important and key at times with friends. And then, you know, I often like to let people or friends know that you don't have to feel like you've got to carry that weight of your friend. So it it definitely should be noted that if your friend is in a threat of harming themselves or harming someone else, if you're not able to take care of their basic needs, or, you know, if they aren't able to continue to take care of themselves, it may be important to contact um, other individuals to keep them safe and to help with it help them with that. So um, for crisis needs, of course, you can also always contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, You can call 1-800-273-8255 or use their online chat and that's available through desktop or mobile devices. And both of those services are available 24 hours a day if you're feeling as though it's something that you can't manage and that you really want to keep your friends safe. I've made the call. I've done the call and it sucks. And I was a, I was a teenager and you know, when you're a kid and when you're a teenager, your biggest thought is I don't want them to be mad at me. Yeah. And Uh, they were as an adult, you know, no, I know. And they were, and, um, the friendship ended. Um, I didn't know them that long, but I do not regret doing it because they were really sick and they really, really needed help. And as a 16 year old, I couldn't 
I couldn't do it, you know? And it was really, really hard. And it was a lot. And then it's, I don't mean to laugh, but then it's like the awkward moment where you have to tell your parents, Hey mom, um, blah, blah, blah. mad at me. Cause I called yeah. 911 on them. Um, <laughs> it's not funny. I, I laugh when I'm like, feel uncomfortable. FYI. <laughs> no, but that's um, a lot, especially like it's it a is. lot for an adult, <laughs> let alone a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's scary. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I mm-hmm. think as friends and as people, we want to solve the problem and we want to be able to fix it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting help. You know, they're professionals. This is what they do. They're trained to do it. Not everyone, you know, if you're a plumber, you're not trained to do that and that's okay. You're trained to, you know, work on people's plumbing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I often say, you know, being able to know your limitations and talking about those limitations with your friends, you know, I think it's extremely brave of you at 16. Like I can't imagine at 16 knowing like, this is what I need to do for my friends um, and really kind of following through with that. And so it's really difficult at any age to make that call or to say to your friend, I have a limitation here and I need to bring someone else in to help with this. And knowing, especially when it's something that they may not want, it's really, really difficult. And being able to say, I'm struggling, I'm conflicted here, and this is what I've got to do for you. Oftentimes, that's when I say that loyalty to the friendship instead of just that loyalty to that person, that's so important because in that moment you were loyal to the friendship and you said, no, this is what I need to do in order to keep us okay. And you did that even if it was against what they wanted at the time. Thanks for saying that. (laughs) I actually, like, I met this person through like a support group. So I was like very aware of the situations Mm -hmm. that they were in. Um, but yeah, that was hard. I hope they're okay now. Um, <laughs> I really, I mean, you really saved do. their life. You saved it was, their life. It was me and you know? another, yeah, it was me and another girl. And, uh, yeah, it was, whew, I like still remember that. Um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. And also, you know, that support is so, I never even thought about, we're huge proponents of therapy here at Society mm-hmm. of Grownups. Yay. We know therapy is not for everyone, but we love it. But it works um, for us. But it, it, it works, works for us. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I w- wouldn't even have thought, yeah, like take the bus with them or drive them or say, you know, uh, you know, let me take you out to coffee afterwards or, you know, let's have a movie night or that's, Mm -hmm. that's, those are such good ways to show support without being that person's everything and without being their therapist, which I'm sure I wanted to ask total side question. Your friends must come to you all the time and be like, can I get your opinion on this? And you're like, uh, do you want to pay my fee? (laughs) cool thing though is that most of my friends are also psychologists so I'm usually going to them as well like how do I do life that's That's a sick friend group I would love to be a part I can only imagine as a as a psychologist (laughs) the questions people ask you or when people find out that's what you are they're like can I tell you my whole story of my relationship and you know you're just at a cocktail party can you diagnose me and you're like I just want to eat my shrimp cocktail okay yes (laughs) plane rides can be the worst I tell you that (laughs) oh my gosh because you're stuck with the person you don't have a choice you can't get up and leave (laughs) Oh my go God. to the washroom a million times and just tell them you have a UTI or something. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Can I move my seat? I have a bladder problem. Um, <laughs> first class, like first class. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Um, life hacks with society of grownups. There you go. <laughs> um, so we kind of like talked about struggling mentally, but what if there's, um, alcohol or drug abuse with a friend? How do you, yeah. how do you work through that? One way of working through it is being able, you know, like I said, I can't stress enough to be able to have that open communication, to be able to say, this is what I see happening and being able to expect when it comes to addiction, that oftentimes it's really hard for the person who is experiencing that addiction to be able to be aware of it. And so that's just a part of what addiction is. And so being able to, um, have them ask, ask them and say, Hey, this is what I'm noticing. What do you see? What do you notice? And when it comes to, especially like alcohol and addiction, there is a really cool questionnaire called the cage questionnaire. Um, and cage is an acronym. Um, and so it's a really cool way for listeners to remember how to kind of check in on their friends and say like, Hey, are you experiencing any of this? So the first part of cage, the C stands for, you know, have you had a thought that you may need to cut down, right? So have you thought that you might need to bring down your alcohol use? You may need to cut back. And then the A stands for, you know, is there a space where you feel annoyed by people who are criticizing your drinking, right? So if someone says, you know, are you experiencing abuse or are you, do you think you're drinking a little too much and you become annoyed by that? The G stands for, have you ever felt guilty for drinking? So do you feel guilt after having a drink or, or even thinking about having a drink? Is there guilt there? And then the E stands for, have you ever felt the need to kind of have an eye opener? So that's a drink first thing in the morning. I need this to open my eyes. I need this to get my day started. And so typically I'll have, I'll say, you know, these are some of the four questions that as a friend, you can Google cage and it pops up and then being able to share that with your friend and saying, Hey, I just want you to ask yourself these four questions. And if the answer is yes to some of these or all of these, we may need to think about how we can work towards getting you help or getting you to a space where yes, isn't the answer to these questions. And so it's a really quick questionnaire, but it often takes that point of blame off of you. So you're not the one pointing the fingers, but it's a really quick way for them to just do a self-assessment. That's a great way. We'll make sure to have yeah. that that link down below. Yeah. Those are that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I never thought of the cage. That's great. Yeah. That's really, it's really, really yeah. great. Because with university and college, you know, oh, it's a phase, or you know, I'm drinking. I have tons of friends that yeah, but that gets drink. dangerous. Well, quickly. Oh, I know. No, no, no that's what I'm saying. It's you know, I have a ton of friends who drank a lot in university, and now, you know, maybe they'll have like a glass of wine after work, or if we go out, they'll drink. And then I have other friends who I'm like we're 26, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're, we're getting Mm -hmm. up for work. You know what I mean? As you're getting older, you know, if people are still partying, like they're in university, that's a, it may not be a phase anymore. For sure. Yeah. And, and being able to have those kind of heart to heart moments with your friends and say, I'm not 
asking these questions because I want to be, you know, better than you, or I want to point a finger. Um, but I'm asking this because I am really worried and this is why I'm worried. So being able to not just say, Hey, we need to get you help, but being able to say, this is why, and this is where that comes from is oftentimes really important. I've had those talks too. (laughs) They're hard. They're hard, man. (laughs) It's like the hardest. It's the hardest thing. It was the worst. It was bad. And honestly, like that could even really put your mental well-being at at risk because you don't want to set too many boundaries because you feel guilty because you want to be there and you don't want them to do anything. You don't want them to think that you don't love them, but also you're starting to lose your mind yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially because we care about our friends. You know, these aren't just people that we hang out with from time to time. Oftentimes, these relationships are very integral to how we even define ourselves. And so it does play a big role into your own mental health. And so being able to support your friends, but also have boundaries to that support is extremely important. Two resources I just thought of will have linked down below. Also Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and Al-Anon, which is essentially AA for people who are affected by the disease of alcoholism. All great resources um, will have their stuff linked down below, but they can be really helpful. Amazing resources. And even if you can't get your friend to go to, or you can't go to one of those meetings, they even have resources that can be good kind of self-help reading material, um, as well to kind of get your foot in the door. Um, so great resources to tag. Yes, yes, yes. We love help. We love all the help here. We love um, mental health. Yeah, help. we really mental do. Mental health help. Yes. Healthy <laughs> ment- yeah, exactly. Um, That's a tongue twister if anyone needs a, war- like a vocal help. warm up. Yeah. Mental <laughs> health help. There. there is no health without mental health. I often yes. say that. Yes. Yeah. It's all attack. Like it's all, it's all one. And people all forget connected. that. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about what do you do if your friend's struggling? Um, what do you do if your friend is dating someone who you absolutely cannot stand and is completely wrong for them? What do you do? Do you tell them? Do you it sounds, leave alone? This sounds like, a little, uh, <laughs> you're going really <laughs> into it. Is this a personal question? <laughs> No, not at all. No. Oh, okay. Not at all. Yeah. Throw a yikes in the chat if you've ever hated a friend's partner. <laughs> ah, here we go. I think we've all been there, right? I think we've all been there. That's a tricky one. It's a really tricky situation um, because, of course, you know, I often say in friendships, it's important to be honest about how you feel, right? Um, Because if you're close, your friend will probably know if you're never, like if you get up and leave the table every time this person comes around or, you know, if you kind of scoff every time they tell a joke or something like that. you still have to be nice. Like you (laughs) can't be an asshole to them. Exactly. I've done that. I've done that. (laughs) Genevieve. I'm an Aries. What can I say? I'm sorry. I don't have a poker face. If I don't like you, you know it. But I'm not fake. Hey, you know, the ups and downs. I've worked on it. Don't worry. (laughs) But yeah, it is important to like, at least communicate how you're feeling about this person that they're dating Um, and, and communicate why give examples. You know, if you say this person isn't treating you well, don't just say, you know, they're not treating you well. 
that's not that's not enough. You know, give an example. Talk about why you feel this might not be the best situation for your friend. And at the end of the day, this is the hard one. It's their choice. It's their decision, right? And so yeah, I often say, "That's such a friend, that's such a therapy answer." It is. <laughs> it's it is. True, but it's so, so true. true. <laughs> you have to be supportive, even if you like cannot stand them. Yeah, and and when we say you have to be supportive, I totally agree with that. But you also can say, "How can I support you?" And you can have boundaries around how you support your friends. So if your friend says, "Oh, you can support me by," showing up every time I invite you over and this person's here and you're like, I absolutely cannot do that. Be able to say that and be able to say, I can't do that, but I can give you two out of five, you know, but really being able to say, how can I support you? And even though, you know, you may not always believe that it is the best decision, it's important to respect their decisions Unless there is unsafety. Now that's another, you know, that's another caveat. But if it's just someone that you're like, oh, I don't like this person. They're not doing, you know, they don't have the best character. You know, at the end of the day, you have to respect your friend's decisions. I mean, it's super awkward. Like I've been on both ends of the coin. I've had friends who like absolutely hated like former partners of mine. And I've also hated former partners of my friends. So what are some ways you can even deal with your friend not liking your partner or your partner not liking your friends? Yeah, you know, that's that's a rough one, too. It puts you in such a sticky situation. It's so awkward. If it's, my partner doesn't like my friends, that's a red flag for me because I have. Oh, you can swear on this podcast, by the way. I have fucking great friends. I really, yeah. really do. Yeah. So if you yeah. don't like my friends, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. And I think that definitely like you speak to something that is so true, like you weigh it out. Right. So oftentimes it is, you know, if especially if there's friction, there can be moments where there isn't a, a mutual like across parties and there's no friction. It's just known, it's understood, but if there's friction, it's so important to weigh it out. You know, if this is impacting your friendships and everyone in your friend group is saying that this person is horrible for you, then it's time for you to sit back and say, what are they seeing that I may not be seeing? Exactly. You know, um, but in those moments where there might not be, like I said, that mutual, like across the board, being able to express what you need is really important. You know, if my friends aren't really digging the person that I'm dating and I still need them to be my friend, it's okay to express that. It's okay to say, this is what I need from you. And I know it puts you in a rough situation and I know it feels really awkward, but I really need you to be here on my wedding day or whatever, you know? Oh my gosh, Um, if you're getting married to them, I hope y'all figured it out by then. I would hope so. I would hope yeah. so. I mean, it is also a huge red flag of like everyone in your life is like this person sucks. Yeah. From it personal been, experience. I've been there. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> why do you keep letting them in your life? And you're like, I don't know. I really want to save this person. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not me at all. I've never done that. Um, huge red flag. <laughs> <laughs> never done that in my entire life. <laughs> Yo, it's hard as women because we always think, oh, I can fix him. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can oh, be there. He can change for me. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse 
then when, and this particularly happens with females and heterosexual relationships, I have a boyfriend. I'll never see you again. He comes to everything now. And I'm just like, bitch, I've been friends with you for six (laughs) years. And I've seen you like, and literally pulled you up off the floor when you were crying, but I'm glad you've been on two dates with this guy. And he's Prince Charming. Right. It's balance being able to know that, you know, you can have all types of relationships. You don't have to only be connected to your romantic partner or only be connected to your friends. Balance isn't 50 50, you know, balance is, you know, keeping all the plates spinning, even if they're wobbling a bit. (laughs) Yeah. When I think of the word balance, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, that meme with the dog and then you know, everything's on fire. That's a balance to you. I think I'm a tightrope walker. No, but that's what comes to mind for me. Cause like I, I struggle with balance, you know, cause I have one area of my life. That's always, that's always great. Then I have another area that's suffering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Balance is hard as an adult. Balance is so hard. And it's about knowing that, you can't give a hundred percent to everything. It's just not possible. And so there may be months where my friends get 80% because work is light. And there may be times where my work gets 80% and my friends get 20% because work is, you know, ridiculous at the moment, or, you know, those are just two examples, but knowing that balance isn't that 50, 50 or giving a hundred percent to everything that we think that we're giving. So that's so important. This is something I've really had to work on. If a friend doesn't text me back for a day, I used to get so mad. And, you know, in my head, I would say, oh my gosh, they hate me. They're such a bad friend, blah, 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 that whole rabbit hole. And meanwhile, they're swamped at work or their like great aunt died or something. You know, we like to think everyone's- Or they're being a human, you know? Well, yeah, we like to think everyone's world revolves around us and it doesn't. And that's something (laughs) as I've gotten older, I've really had to work on that. It's not a reflection on me and that they genuinely may be busy or maybe they're having a really hard time at work and they don't have the mental capacity to hear about, you know, the fight I got into with my mom or whatever, you know? Yes. So I think getting older too. So if you are upset that your friends aren't messaging you back or stuff like that. Also, there's a whole panini going on. I don't know if you've noticed. It's crazy. But I think to just remembering that it's okay to not answer right away. You don't have Mm -hmm. to. It's okay to not be able to hang out with your friends. Let them know you still love them. And if you're on the other side of it, you know, try to be understanding, try to be flexible and try Mm -hmm. to be supportive because they just genuinely could be busy. I often will tell my friends that I'm tired today or like, hey, this week I'm going to be incognito because I've got a lot happening. And so being able to express that as a friend too, you know, instead of just completely ghosting is always important as well. So if you, if your friends are hitting you up and you're like, I can't like emotionally, I can't respond or like, I've got so much that I'm juggling. I can't respond. Just being able to say like, Hey, it's a busy week. Can we connect next week? Or can we connect in three days or whatever, um, is a way to have them not hanging in suspense and like knocking down your door to make sure you're alive. Um, or anything like that, you know, (laughs) very true. Very true. You know, I think my favorite, just like, I'm going to go off the grid camping next weekend. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I always say give from your excess, not of your essence. Um, We need to make merch. Like, I don't know. I didn't make it up. I don't know where I heard it. It's not original. And it's okay to say no to things like that, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, 
and being able to say like, nope, I'm taking some time for myself today. Um, I'm exhausted or I just got home. I need to shower or whatever. You know, it's so important. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have a good segue into this, but I really do want to ask you. (laughs) So we talked like way, way, way before about looking lovingly into your friend's eyes. So you starting to get some feels for your friend. What should you do? Like, should you date a friend? Should you hook up with one? What do you do if stuff gets awkward? Yeah, yeah. So I tend to keep a rule of thumb and this is totally just Shari, not Dr. Shari right now. Um, but I tend to not cross friends and romantic feelings more so because I think it often can end in very difficult spaces. Um, And so you can't undo what you've already done. And so that's my general rule of thumb. However, I know that that doesn't always happen, right? So if you are experiencing, you can't tell your your feelings when to come and when to not be present. Um, So if you are experiencing those feelings, I often, again, um, say, one, understanding for yourself where those feelings are coming from. Is it a genuine romantic experience that you're having? Or are you just really feeling loving towards your friend because they're present, right? And so there's a way to love a friend without it becoming romantic or without it becoming um, into going into sexual territory. And so being able to say, you know, where are these feelings coming from? Do I just love this person for who they are? Or is it a little bit of extra? Do I, do I have some extra layers in there? And then like, once you've noticed that for yourself, being able to take into account where that friend is. So if you've gotten no signals from that friend, if you have gotten no, you know, staring in the eye moments, if that friend is dating someone else, if that friend is happily in love with someone else, that might not be the avenue that you want to go down. Because like I said, once you go, you can't, take it back. And so um, being able to kind of assess where that friend is. But if there is a moment where you're like, I'm kind of getting the vibe, I think they're giving a vibe, go for talking about it, you know, go for communicating about it and seeing where it goes, you know, but I think we're all in this space often say as adults, we don't talk about the things that we're feeling. And so it's so important to be able to go into that space and, and have that open communication about what you might be feeling. And then depending on what you get from them, being able to, you know, take either the the positive or what might not be positive, what you might not want, um, being able to take that as their decision and not trying to guilt them about where they stand. All right. We're going to head to our wrap up questions. We do have two listener questions before we wrap up. Oh, nice. Is it possible or a good thing to stay friends with an ex? So I definitely think it's possible um, as long as there are boundaries, as long as there are boundaries, as long as those boundaries are communicated, and as long as those boundaries are respected on both ends and by both parties. Um, I often will say, just because you dated someone, it doesn't mean that they now go into the dirty pile, you know, Um, because everyone that we meet, we aren't supposed to date, 
but sometimes we mess up and we think we are. And so there may be someone that you met that is supposed to be an amazing friend to you. You went on a couple of dates, maybe you fooled around a bit, and then you realized we're not supposed to be dating, we're supposed to be friends. And so that doesn't mean that this is someone that you can never speak to again. But there does have to be some really um, communicated boundaries in play in order to move into that territory of friends. And it also matters whether there are still feelings there. Um, so if you are in a space where you're saying, ah, I don't really feel anything more than friendship for you, but that other person does, it's not going to turn out right um, if either of you have mismatched feelings. And I think it depends yeah. on how deep the relationship was, right? Like I said, if it, if it was a couple of dates or, you know, you just kind of dated for a month or two, that's very different than if you've dated for three, four years. And so it just kind of depends on where those feelings are at this moment. For sure. And then um, our second uh, listener question is, when is the right time to stop a toxic toxic friendship and do you do it face-to-face or ghost? I know we answered this a little before, but I did want to ask that specific question. Yeah. When I often say when you are thinking about whether your friendship is worth saving, I encourage people to do to think about the friendship and not the person. Um, Let the friendship be the star of the show. Um, And I do this because friends are people. And guess what people do from time to time? We mess up. We hurt those we love. We hurt those we care about. um, And we don't always do things that are consistent with our intentions. So when evaluating if that friendship is worth saving, put that relationship itself on the stand and ask yourself these questions about the friendship and not the friend. One, does the friendship add to your life? Do you honestly believe it's adding or is it depleting your life? Are you in the friendship because of an obligation or do you truly feel you're growing as a result of engaging in that friendship? And is this friendship psychologically safe for me? We've talked a little bit about safety. Do you truly need that friendship in your life. And then after you've evaluated that friendship, you'll more likely have a little bit of clarity around this person, around whether this friendship is right for you. When it comes to toxic relationships, I often say my first go-to is to have communication with that friend whether in person, if you feel like it's safe enough, you can also write a letter if you feel like it's not safe enough to do that. Or if you express yourself better in writing in written form, you can write a letter. Um, But if it is unsafe, it's okay to not have that face-to-face contact, to not have that experience where you have to engage with that person. Um, I usually am not a fan of ghosting. because it doesn't leave a clean break. And so if you ghost a friend and they're toxic, they may try to manipulate you and try to come back into your life. And so when it comes to communicating, it's okay to say, this is the decision I've made. There will be no um, discussion around whether that that decision can be changed and to leave it at that. And that could be a text message if it's toxic and if it's unsafe. And I often will say, you know, if you feel like your friendships aren't moving in the direction you'd like for them to, you don't have to just throw it away. 
you can work on your friendship. You can say, hey, I would like for us to get closer as friends. I would like for our bond to be more honest or more truthful, or, you know, I'd like for us to have more fun and more adventurous. And so being able to work on a friendship and, you know, that's one of the things that is a clear importance item. Like you have to work on your friendship just because you had a great bond three years ago. Doesn't mean you're going to have that same bond uh, at this moment. And so it's so important to always do friendship evaluations. I do friendship evaluations with my friends, even though it's kind of, you know, um, kind of glitchy at times. (laughs) I do friendship evaluations. And in those moments, we talk a little bit about what am I doing as a great friend? What would you like me to do more? And how can I commit to those things? And every year we have those moments of talking and, and, and I think it often really helps us flourish into different levels and different stages of our friendships. That's so healthy. I love that. Yeah. My friend Abby, I'm pretty sure, I think it was last year she sent us like a Google doc or like a Google survey. It's like, am I a good friend? Yes. (laughs) Can we put that down below? (laughs) I love it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You definitely can. And before we let you go, Sherry, what is the most adult thing you've done today? The most adult thing I did today. That's a great question. What did or I lately, do? the past week. <laughs> yeah, we asked all our month. guests. The most adult thing that I did today was, and this is funny because it doesn't seem adult, but I think it is. I did a video chat with my mom so that she could see my new comforter and help me oh. <laughs> help me decide if it like was the right match for the room. I think that was like the most so adult cute. thing that I've did, like that I've done yeah. all day. <laughs> nice. That's very adult. Love that. that. So cute. How does your comforter look? Is it lovely? It's really, it's really nice. I bought it for the guest room. It's like black and white, like Aztec print, but then I Ooh. put like a yellow scallops quilt underneath it to like bring out a pop of color. And so I was like, I'm feeling really adult because I am decorating the guest room, Yeah, Um, you know, nice. I think that is like hitting the adult um, ball out of the park there. (laughs) We would say we're not the experts at all, clearly from this (laughs) podcast, but that sounds pretty dang adult to me. I feel like when you get excited about decor, I think that is that yeah, is we, yeah. when you know oh, yeah. you're an adult, when like, and you know, walking into HomeSense <laughs> makes you excited. Yes. I love HomeSense. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Tupperware. I didn't love Tupperware yes. until I moved out. Thank you so much for coming on. This episode was so informative and so nice. And just so, fun. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, where if people want to interact with you or follow you, yeah. listen to your podcast, where can people do that? Absolutely. So people can find me at drsharinicole.com and you can find my podcast there. You can also find my Instagram, my Facebook. On Instagram, you can find me at Everyday Psychology, LLC. And you can also listen to my podcast, which is Three Psychs and a Mic. And the number three psychs, as in psychologists, and a mic, where mm-hmm. me and two of my really, really good friends who happen to also, like I said, be psychologists, we talk a little bit about things just like this. How do you have friendships? How do you do life? And what does that look like? Um, so you can always find me on any of those platforms. And I look 
forward to hopefully meeting some of you all. And we will have all of that linked down below. Mm-hmm. So you can go and check out Dr. Shari. And yeah, you've been listening to Society of Grownups. I'm Genevieve. And I'm Kathy. We'll catch you guys next week.